Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Innovation Room podcast. My name is Tori Homan, and I'll be joined today by my co-host, Daniel Guajardo. This week, we're talking all about mentoring. What is it? Why is it important? What does a mentoring relationship look like in the workplace? And how does it play into how we work with our external vendors? We are going to spend some time today talking about internal mentorship of coworkers and teammates, but what we really want to focus on is how we recognize, support, and equip our external vendors, right? Those people who are pretty critical to helping our businesses thrive. And that relationship between vendor relations and organizational health definitely isn't talked about quite as much in a lot of business and industry circles, but it's certainly just as important. And since we're probably heading into what is kind of an uncertain economic time here in 2023, giving your company any and every competitive advantage is obviously a great idea. So before I introduce today's guest to you, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the show or visit NorthAmericanScience.com for more industry resources. You can also find the audio version of today's podcast or any of our previous episodes wherever you get your podcasts. So today's guest, who I'm excited for you to meet in just a minute, is Kirk Bedoin, and he is a professional in the facilities management space. He's a longtime, highly involved Connects FM member. And if you're not familiar with Connects FM, it is the leading multi-site facilities management association. So Kirk's a member there. And he's also an expert on mentorship and vendor relations. So we're really excited to have him on the show today to talk about how mentorship and vendor relations can play into organizational health. So Kurt, could you maybe tell us how long you've been in the facilities industry and um, a little bit about where you got your start? Yeah, I've uh, spent my entire career in the facilities industry in uh, one way or another. Um, my uncle owns a moving company. And when I was in high school, he asked me if I wanted to make some extra money uh, working over the summers. And uh, that led to you know more weekend work to then full-time work. And uh, eventually I was going out with the crews and um it wasn't really residential we weren't moving people's houses we were uh, going to corporate campuses and it was during the high-tech boom of the 80s and 90s so um, a lot of computer companies and we would go out and move office furniture around or build the um, cubicle panel systems and um, you know i just i just got lucky because uh, one of the one of the companies we went to on a regular basis they just decided Hey, why don't we hire some of these guys? Why are we, <laughs> why are we uh, basically renting them every day? And um, you know, so all of a sudden, I was uh, I was on a on a facilities team, and I took every opportunity, um, every every chance that they presented with uh, expanding your role or doing something new, and that led to new and and, and different things. And uh, you know, over the years and promotions, it just. I found myself after time um, um, going from being a mover to I was uh, maintaining the entire campus. And um, after um, after some um, buyouts and outsourcing and then layoffs, um, I found myself looking for work. And that's when I moved from the corporate side over to the retail side. 
and I've worked for a, a few retail companies now, and um, um, that's where we're at today. And uh, I'm loving loving retail facilities. Well, that's great. That's great to hear. And so uh, I guess we're gonna jump a little bit into your involvement in your like third party or outside organizations. You've been highly engaged, it seems, throughout your whole career here, uh, moving up and being interested in your next steps. You're also highly engaged in Connects, which is an organization that you know we're both a part of, and that's kind of how we met. Could you tell me a little bit about your involvement with the Connects organization? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was it started as a Prism Professional Retail Store Maintenance, and my introduction into that was when I when I moved from the corporate side over to the retail side, and that would have been 2004. And I read my first Prism magazine, and that was really my introduction into the into the association. And I found it fascinating. You know, I, I was more familiar with with the IFMA on the corporate side, and so I wanted to learn more about Prism. You know, with uh, with the rest of the team, the retail team. You know, there we were going to the shows, and I think that my first, I think my first involvement was studying for the uh, the RFMP and taste taking that that certification test and earning that one. After I earned it, uh, I wanted to get a little bit more involved with the association, and I think I I think I wrote an article that was in one of the magazines that was, that was kind of cool. Didn't know how that, how that worked, but I found out that they take uh, submissions. So I wrote an article. I then serve on the um, nominating committee, you know, each year, you know, just tried something new. So, you know, I was on the best practices committee and the Alliance committee. Uh, then I was on the certification committee. I've served on the board of directors, two separate terms, uh, one from, I think 13 through 16. And then, 18 through 22, which I just dropped off at the last, at the last national. And then as soon as I dropped off the board, I was back to, you know, the tactical side and I've been pretty busy this, this past year, uh, serving on the DE and I committee and the legacy council. I was asked to co-chair the new retail council. I served on the uh, board of directors governance committee as a, as a task force member to do some videos. I also served on the WIA committee's professional development task force, which, uh, which as part of that, I did the empower hour on my be great mentoring topic. Um, and then I also participated in the, the pilot program for the uh, one-on-one mentoring for the association as well. So looks like as soon as I, as soon as I dropped off the board, I, uh, I jumped in with all my feet. <laughs> yeah. And, wow. uh, maybe I mean, off. Kirk, are you sleeping? Are you are you sleeping at all? <laughs> not a lot. Not a lot. I had a full head of hair. <laughs> but, uh, like yeah, I love, I love the involvement. I love to to be engaged, and I love uh, being able to help other people. Yeah. Wow. No. That's awesome. That is perfect as well because that is what we're going to be talking about most today. Obviously, you've been a big part of helping people since, you know, I don't know, maybe even before 2004, but at least since 2004, and that's almost a 20-year stint of volunteer, and that that's really great. So first, thank you for all of that, because Connects has been a huge part of my career. I actually was at PRISM when the last two years, I think it was PRISM before Connects is when I started, so way after, but I don't even know what year. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it was funny, but you mentioned the article because that was the first thing I did. I was like, you can submit articles. So I just wrote an article and was like, hopefully they take it. Yes. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. yeah. So we do want to talk a little bit about, you know, all the, the involvement that we have in the helping and really internal, external, just recognition for everything that we do 
Kirk, you just mentioned the uh, that you were a couple of months ago on the Women in Action Committee's Empower Hour, and you were talking about your, uh, I don't know if we can call it a program or, or a system, but you call it, you call it Be Great, and it's about, it's all about mentoring. So can you just tell us a little bit about that program and, and kind of what interests you in mentoring and what, what got you started there? So from the program aspect, I was asked if I could help on a mentoring program at work and pretty cool. It was a cool concept because it was a, a mentoring circle. It was a group as opposed to a one-on-one uh, mentoring concept. I'd never done anything like that before. And I was like, I don't even know what, what content to create if it's not one-on-one questions. If you go far enough back in my career, one of the cool things about uh, being in the sports industry is, you know, we meet a lot of players and coaches and whatnot. You get a lot of inspirational uh, messages. And, and we had one of the, one of the coaches came and spoke to us and, and, he, and I'll, I'll just share the, uh, share it with you here. He would share with his basketball team and he would get everyone together and he would ask everyone, okay, everyone raise your hands as high as you can. And everyone would raise their hands and he'd go a little higher and they would raise them a little higher. And he goes, okay, what did I ask you to do? Raise your hands as high as you could. And then what? Raise them a little higher. Now, if, if you raise them as high as you could the first time, you wouldn't be able to raise them any higher. But everyone, every time you go through this exercise, everyone's able to stretch a little bit more, stand on their tiptoes, whatever they do, but their hands go up a little bit higher. And he was pointing out that that little difference, you know, it's just, it's this much. That little difference is the difference between winning and losing, between first and second, between gold and silver. And, and the piece that, that I loved was he said that that difference in your effort is the difference between being good and being great. And I just latched onto that years ago. And I just kind of made that my own little internal mantra. And I decided to build the mentoring topic around that kind of that launching point. You know, everything from there, all the different chapters that uh, that we created, you know, it starts with the Be Great intro, then it's Know Your Why, the importance of singing your praises, it's the importance of recognition, which I think we'll talk about today, you know, self-awareness, never stop learning you know, building your own personal brand and then being aware of what is your legacy. So that was the program that I built and I've shared it with numerous people now over the years. You know, I'm no, I'm no expert on the topic, but if I feel like all the feedback I've gotten over the years is it's been a very successful message to share with people. I think that uh, answers that piece. You'd, you'd had kind of a part two to the question. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just um, what, what's interesting to you about mentoring or why do you think it's important? Uh, yeah. You know, I, I had this, uh, this kind of internal conversation with myself many years ago. You know, I was always the young person in the room. Right. And I remember, I remember my first few jobs sitting at the conference table and anytime questions came up, there were, there were those older people in the room and they had all the answers and they knew everything. And I was just in awe of all these people. And over the years, you know, I just sat there and, you know, occasionally I would be able to chime in with my own thoughts and, and I don't know when it happened, but all of a sudden I'm in the room and a question would come up and everyone would look to me and I'm like, why are you guys looking at me? And then it's like, wait a minute, when did I become the old person in the room. <laughs> and, and when I had that realization, it's like, I, I realized I hit that level, you know, that, that, that peak. And so I'm on the, I'm on the downside hill of my career, right? I, I see, I, I can see the finish line more than I can see the starting line. And I was just thinking to myself, it's like, why did it take me this long to learn everything that I've learned and known out? I wish there was a way that I could have just had this information on the front end, right? And how much farther could I have been 
had I had all this information, not just knowledge and, you know, learning about things that you have to learn through time, but just all the tips and tricks of the trade. And, and so I was like, how, if, if I could just take that information that I've spent a lifetime learning and give that to, you know, the younger generations and the, the young facilities managers and, and just people, you know, does that give them a step up and, you know, they can then maybe far exceed where I can get to because they've got that, that head start. It just excites me to think that I can provide something, you know, to these other people. And I've had some amazing managers and coworkers and mentors over my, over my career. And they've always been very giving in sharing information. You know, we all, we all know there's some people out there that, you know, they hold things close to their chest and they won't share their own tips and tricks because maybe they think that uh, it makes them less valuable if other people know it. And I've been fortunate that everyone I've worked with has, has just been like, look, here's, here's all my secrets, use them if you can. And I've tried to, I've tried to continue that kind of a pay it forward mentality of, you know, just trying to do the right thing. That's, that's so amazing. And thank you for all the work that you do in that realm. And, and so as far as mentoring goes, if you kind of Kirk had to distill mentoring down and define it in like a couple of sentences, what what would you say that mentoring is? (laughs) Yeah. And uh, for those that know me, uh, I can't concise anything down into a couple (laughs) sentences. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's, and it really depends on the mentee, right? So, but you know, at the, at the heart of, of mentoring, I think it's coaching and teaching, right? It's, it's sharing those experiences and then it's supporting and encouraging, you know, but each, each mentee has, has different goals. They have different starting points. They have, you know, different endpoints. So I don't think there's any sort of uh, magic uh, silver bullet, so to speak for, mm-hmm. for each mentor mentee engagement. You know, I've, I've had some mentees that I didn't even know were mentees that, that they just over, over years, they would, you know, mentioned to me just in passing, wow, I've always considered you a really great mentor. And I've, I've appreciated everything I've learned from you. And I was like, wow, I didn't even know I was your mentor. So it's, you know, you can teach people just, just through your actions, just, just through how you, you work with people and support people. Then on the other end, I've had people who have specifically come up to me and asked me, I need, I need a mentor. Would you be willing to be my mentor? And we've talked about what is it that they want to get out of it. And some of those examples have been very short-term, like I just need a little bit of help here. And other have been, hey, I'll take, I'll take anything and everything you can give me. And if we stay connected the rest of my life, great. So it really, it really depends on what the mentee wants to get out of it. And like I said, first, everyone around you is a mentee. I'm a mentee, right? Never stop learning. So you don't necessarily have to have the label mentor-mentee on it. Just as long as you, uh, as long as you're networking and sharing with people, everyone's learning. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, so in a, maybe a mentor mentee relationship, that's like a bit more structured or intentional. What would that relationship look like? Both like practically, like we're meeting once a week or maybe, maybe a bit more hypothetically even, or conceptually. Yeah. Again, it, it comes down to the mentee, right? I've, I've had a couple where it was, we had, we had structured meetings where it was, you know, this time every month, let's meet, let's talk. I've had information that I wanted to share. We've had open dialogue where you can bring, you know, a, uh, you know, a question or a topic to me and we discuss. And then I've also had them where, where they've been very casual, that there was no plan, there was no schedule. And it was, 
it was just kind of a as needed. So again, I, I think it goes back not to kind of scapegoat out of uh, answering the mm -hmm. question, but it, it really depends on what that, that relationship is and what the, what the mentee needs. Cause it's not going to do a mentee any good if they have a need. And I say, here's how we're going to do it. We're going to follow these steps and we're going to meet at these exact times. That may not be what that person needs. So, you know, some people might just need someone to bounce something off of as it comes up, you know, with no, no yeah. pre pre schedule. Other people sure. maybe just want to learn things and they don't have an end goal. They just want to get better. And they're, they're fine with sitting through a, a regularly scheduled cadence and, yeah. and just have, you know, pre-canned topics to discuss and, uh, and take the, the Q and a from there. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you, do you, do you feel like there's kind of an interest amongst, um, young professionals? I mean, there definitely is an interest, but is there a lot of interest or only from like a specific kind of subset of young professionals or, or just, just kind of, what are the rough percentages? Would you say? Yeah. You know, honestly, I have, I have no idea. I know that, uh, you know, judging from the uh, WIA and the, the, the YP young professionals, you know, committee, there's, it seems like there's, there's interest and involvement from, from members and the professionals out there that they, you know, never stop learning. They want to learn things, but I can't answer it from a mentor standpoint, like, Hey, how many people have come up and asked me, Hey, will you be a mentor? And really that's, that's my, that's my biggest hurdle right now is you know, I participated in the pilot program and that was a one-on-one -on -one experience, which was great. And, and uh, I, I believe my mentee got a lot out of it. You know, we've had nice back and forth conversations and, and, you know, he's brought up a lot of things as well, which in my mind, never stop learning as I'm pitching my thoughts and my ideas and my answers. I'm also absorbing the questions and the perspectives and even the, the different perspectives to my answers. So yeah. I'm continually growing, but I would never be able to just have all these one-on-one -on -one mentor mentee relationships. And so it's like, how do you get, how do you get your help out there? You know, I don't want to say it to the masses, but it's like, if I just took one mentor mentee relationship a year, 10 years from now, I've only helped 10 people. How, how is that moving the needle? Right. So I like okay. the mentoring circle idea. Cause now you're, you're doing it in a group format. I really like the opportunity to speak the empower hour, because now that's a recorded video out there that, uh, you know, there may have only been 10 or 20 or 30 people actually on the live version, but to know that anyone, you know, any of the members can just go log in and download it and watch it or share it with their team. You know, now you're reaching hopefully, you know, hundreds or thousands or millions, <laughs> you know, obviously not millions, but, uh, it's more yeah, than the one-on-one -on -one experience. Right. So I like that. And I like being able to share it in that in that format or this, this right here, how many people are, are going to be able to see this and maybe, you know, get inspired or choose to go watch a, a webinar. Yeah, that's so awesome. And Kirk, I think you put your finger kind of on the pulse of something that I, I'm also really interested in, in mentorship and I uh, have several mentors and, but, but that mentorship is really a two-way street. And so if you, as the mentor go in just assuming that you're going to absorb all this information and just sit there and receive all the time, like, well, that ain't it. Right. right. But then as the mentor, if you go in, assuming that your only job is to impart all of your knowledge upon the other person and you don't have that growth mindset, that's not someone that I would necessarily want to be mentored by. Right. If you just assume that you have nothing yet to learn, 
right? Yeah. Um, and so, and so, I think I think you're really right, though, understanding that it that it definitely goes both ways. Maybe some more than the other, but it does go both ways. Definitely, I've I found through the association and networking with so many of my peers, we've all got very similar jobs, right? You know, in in retail facilities you know, and, and on the vendor side, the vendors are there to support and, and do whatever their specific trade is. We all have very similar roles at the heart of it. And I've discovered, you know, after working at several different retailers, all doing the same thing, everyone do, does it different. And if everyone's doing it different in this small sampling, I can only imagine how many different variations of doing things there are if you look at the entire association. So I love networking with my with my peers out there. And and I don't think we get the opportunity to do it enough, right? You know, Connects and back in the day, Prism does a great job, right? The national, the mid-year, the little Prism live events that we used to have, the connections that we're rolling through the cities. You know, it's a great opportunity for you to get together and, and network with, you know, your fellow facilities managers or, you know, I'm not sure how much how much uh, that works on the vendor side, how many vendors actually want to meet with other vendors and, and share and network. But I know that on the facility side, you know, we can learn a lot from, from our other facilities managers. Yeah. So does, absolutely. how does that work with the uh, competing facilities managers though? Cause that's the kind of the part with the vendors. We do like to get together and network, but then there's that certain amount of information that's just kind of yeah. tucked away. And that sometimes is probably good information. Unfortunately, we just, there's that level of respect where we don't want to, uh, you know, run into competition and give away secrets. And right. And I think, I think that's where you guys, on the vendor side or the supplier side differs a little bit from the facility side. You know, I've, I've even heard, um, you know, don't know if I want to air that here, but I've heard that there's vendors who have clients that aren't members of Prism or Connects and they won't tell them about Prism or Connects because they don't want to bring their customers to a, to an association where they're now exposed to their competition. So it's, it's disheartening because I want every retail company or every multi-site company out there to be a member, you know, so that we're one big family. We may be competitors in the big mm -hmm. family, but uh, it would be great if we had every, every company out there as a member. As far as networking, I don't think it's going to affect anything if, uh, if one of my fellow FMs knows what plumber I use or what electrician I use. I don't think there's, you know, any groundbreaking privacy there you know obviously there's probably going to be some facilities managers at certain companies that aren't going to talk to some facilities managers at other companies and that's fine but there's thousands and thousands of us out there and you're gonna you're gonna be bound to find a number of them who are, should be willing to willing to network and and discuss things with you yeah and you should want to bring your people there the reason cvs is across the street from every walgreens is because it builds a healthy competition like you want your competitors to see how well you're doing sure uh, but no that makes that makes a lot of sense so we're going to move into uh recognition really and just talking about the importance of recognition and what it really means uh so let's just jump right in and start talking about recognition of vendors because that's where you have the most experience kirk uh, you want to give us a little bit of your insight there yeah, I mean, for for us as as facilities managers, we're not actually out there doing the work, right? So so our success is tied to the success of our of our vendor partners, and you know we've got crazy crazy requests, crazy schedules. Hey, I need you out there right away for this emergency, or hey, sorry, you have to come in after hours because you can't be there when the 
when the stores open or whatnot. So we've got a lot of expectations and requirements. And, you know, over the course of my career, I have worked with hundreds and hundreds, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to say thousands, but it seems like it hundreds and hundreds of, of different vendors over the years, you know, locals, regionals, nationals, they, they span just like everyone else. There's, there's the awesome ones and there's the ones that need, need a little more handholding. And there's the ones that, uh, that you, you know, you, you've cut loose. I've, I've found that it's important to be a good partner, right? Setting clear expectations, make sure there's no surprises, right? They, they only know what you tell them. And just as I mentioned earlier, every facilities manager is doing the same thing, but we all do it a little differently. Every vendor has to support each one of those different processes for each one of those different clients, right? They don't, they don't get the benefit of saying, here's the way we do it, and we do it the same way for everyone, right? Some might require a, a call in, some might require communication via, you know, email or notes or don't speak with a manager, do speak with a manager, check in, don't check in, you know, there's, there's so many different things. As I mentioned, you know, earlier in my career, you know, going from, you know, I started as a vendor, right? And then I went to an employee, then I was outsourced, I went back to a vendor. I've been on both sides of, of that fence. And I, I think that that gives me a great insight into how it feels to be on both sides. And so it's not lost on me, you know, the, the importance and the value of those vendor partners, you know, just, just cause they're not employees doesn't mean they don't deserve the same amount of respect and appreciation. And uh, so for me over the years, uh, you know, I've, I've tried to be a good partner, you know, you know, I don't treat people, you know, like, Hey, you're just the, you're the, you're the hired help, right? You're, you're the vendor, do what I say. I'm the customer. I'm always right. I look at it like I partner with, with the vendors, right? You guys, right. You're the experts in the sign field. I'm not going to tell you <laughs> how to, how to build signs or install signs. I'm going to go to you as the expert and say, Hey, I need a sign. Help me. Same with my HVAC vendors, my electricians, my plumbers, my janitorial team. I'm not the expert in those fields. Otherwise I'd be working in those fields. Right. So I have a different attitude as a customer than I think some facilities managers do. I have my expectations, right. You know, I need yep. you to be on site within a certain amount of time. I need you to bill me a certain uh, way. I need you to treat the store a certain way. So as long as those requirements are met, you know, the expectations are clear and the, and my vendor partners are meeting them. I believe, you know, you need to recognize and reward exceptional performance. Right. And so over my career, you know, you've got the great partners, the great vendors, and those are the ones that you use and the ones that aren't great kind of fall by the wayside and the mm -hmm. ones that go above and beyond those become kind of like your superstar vendors or, yep. you know, your, your, your top tier vendors, not that they're, better or worse, you know, it's not the ones that, that you cut loose are, are bad. I pointed out to many people over the years that uh, just because we're not doing business or we had to go our separate ways doesn't make you a, a bad vendor. It just makes us a bad fit, right? My expectations might not be in line with what your, what your programs can support. And I've been fortunate to over the years have, have, um, partnered with the great ones. And over the years, those are the ones that we've continued to use. One of the, one of the things that we started doing was uh, having biennial. So every other year awards programs for our top performing vendors. And I, I shared a little bit about it in the, uh, in the WIA empower hour in that presentation had some pictures and 
basically we take, um, you know, we, we make a trophy, right? You know, it's a shoe glued to a, to a platform and we present it to our, our top performing vendors. And every other year it ranges some, some years we've had numerous, you know, I won't say vendor of the year awards, but recipients of yeah. the shoe. And then other years, there's been, you know, one or two. And then we, we also started recognizing individuals. So maybe where you wanted to call out a specific person at one of the companies for their above and beyond support or performance, whereas, you know, the, the company isn't getting the shoe award, but an individual is being called out with getting, being named an all-star or an MVP, right? And I think everyone appreciates being recognized. Everyone wants to be thanked for what they, what they do. You know, what, what I found surprising is when we started doing these, I was hearing from a lot of the vendors that were like, wow, this is amazing. And I realized not a lot of, of my peers are doing it for whatever reason, whether their companies won't allow it, or they just, maybe they don't have, you know, that mindset or, you know, whatever it is, but for us to be able to, over the years, recognize our top performing vendors, you know, I think it, it, it has dual benefits. One, the vendors appreciate the recognition. They appreciate being appreciated, right? It's like yeah. they're going above and beyond and they probably do it for all their clients, but nobody, nobody does anything. You know, nobody goes out of their way to say, thank you. It's just more of a, well, that's what we pay you to do. Right. So yeah. uh, by, by recognizing them and giving them that, uh, that kind of that extra kudos or, or shout out, I feel like not that they can take it up another notch, but it feels like they're dialing it up another notch. And the other vendors who who are on on your on your roster and on your on your team, they they want to dial their efforts up to try and earn one of those awards and that recognition. And it is a little bit of a competition, right? You know, you've got dozens of vendors out there and, and a lot of them are doing similar services, right? So they're in competition with their competition. And that's not the purpose of it, but I think that's the dual side of it that when people are appreciated, they're going to maybe, maybe give you that, that little extra effort, you know, that little raise your hands a little bit higher, no different than you've heard plenty of sayings, like people don't quit companies, they quit managers. And it's just, it really is about feeling appreciated. If you, if you're doing a great job and you don't feel appreciated, people tend to, to leave and go somewhere where they are. So I find it important to make sure that, that our key partners are recognized and know that they're appreciated. If I go far enough back, you know, I know that we've even sent out over the years where, where possible thank yous. We've sent out friends and family type discount, discount cards to share with the techs in the field, you know, in appreciation for, for their jumping through the hoops and, and I haven't confirmed this, but I'm going to guess, you know, when we came out of the pandemic and everyone all at the same time was opening back up and everyone was saying, I need someone out here right now to do this so that we can open. And there was all the vendors who were suffering through the pandemic and, you know, downsizing and some people retired and just didn't come back. Right. There's yeah. less vendors to do the same amount of work. And now there's this big spike of work. And I have a feeling that if if I have some of my key vendors out there that they ended up with 50 calls and they can only respond to 25 of them first, I'm probably in that first batch because of the partnership and the, you know, the appreciation we show. And so that's just kind of one of those added benefits of being a good partner and, and showing people that you appreciate them. Yeah, definitely. So I guess for your colleagues, as you were saying, as you realize not too many people do this, it, um, 
there are some benefits. Uh, the quality of work, like you said, it you know, moves up a little bit. They call you back first. They answer your calls over other people's probably. And from the vendor side point, I can tell you, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> like, when I would do that exact same thing. The people that you built a friendship at that point, you know, saying thank you is something that's more than just a working relationship or going out of your way to send a, a card or anything like that. Like we're not best friends calling each other on the phone, but it's a deeper connection. And I feel that you appreciate what I do for you and vice versa. So yeah, if there's 10 other people below, or you could have come in at 11, you just move up. So I would urge people to think about these things, building these human relationships within their industries and with their vendors. I guess I'd like to go in a little bit more about the effective ways to maybe achieve this because the oh, an award and an annual thing is awesome. But what are maybe some of the smaller monthly, weekly, daily ways that we can achieve showing recognition to our vendors? Do you have any insight there? Yeah, and I don't know if I would call it showing recognition. It, this just could be a you know a standard business process, right? Where we try and meet, I won't say meet, but have con calls or meetings on a regular basis with our vendors, right? Whether it's you know every other week for some of the busier vendor relationships, once a month, once a quarter, it's important to stay plugged in, right? To to build that to build that rapport. And you had mentioned you know before, and I wanted to jump in and say. The, the face-to-face piece, I think, is really important, too, when you're building, you know, hey, we may not be best of friends, right? But it's like there's working with someone, then there's knowing someone, and then, of course, you know, there's the, the you know, the personal friendships and whatnot. But I found if I'm working with someone, I've never met them in person, and I've just had calls with them, it's completely different when you finally meet them. Like, you you go to the national show, and you see them at their booth, and you, hey, how are you? Hey, I've been working with you for X amount of years, and this is the first time I got to meet you. And you shake their hand, and you have that, that just that personal connection for just a moment. It changes things. And I don't know if it's just for me, but it just, it feels like it's different. You know, and you can have 100 phone calls before that, but it's just once you've actually met that person and, and stood face to face, it's different. Oh, yeah. I agree. It's kind of a fun game because you're always guessing what do they look like? You know, like I've talked to them for a year now and are they tall or they short? Do they have a beard? I don't know. Like by the names too. So some people still have some older names. There was a, what was her? I don't know. It was a name that hasn't been around for 50, 60 years. And so working with her, it was through email. I thought she was elderly ish, 50, 60 years old. She was 24 when I met her. I was like, what? (laughs) So it's fun. So yeah, the face to face, you know, it's important, but uh, yeah, the, as far as the, the connections, right. You know, having those regular meetings, but for me or for, you know, teams I've worked on, you know, when you have those meetings, right, you're reviewing whatever it is that you're reviewing, you know, whether it's performance or, you know, just updates on progress. The important piece is at the, at the, the foundation of it is expectations, right? Everyone needs to know what's expected. As long as those expectations are clear and they're reviewed on a regular basis, you know, the successful vendors, they excel. They exceed those. And so those those regularly scheduled meetings when you're when you're reviewing whatever it is, in my experience, they're always positive meetings, right? It's like, okay, great. Hey, great job on this. Thanks for the progress on that. You're having those, I don't want to call it recognition, right? But you're having a positive exchange at that time. So they are being appreciated. They are being thanked. You know, you wrap up the call. Hey, thanks. Thanks all. Appreciate everything you do for us. You know, yep. we might even give the occasional shout out to someone. Hey, thanks for pulling that emergency off um, and getting out there right away. It's nothing official. You're not presenting them with anything, but it's like, 
you know, at the bare minimum, you're showing uh, sincere appreciation and saying thank you, you know, and it's not just to the, hey, here's the one account rep who's not doing any of the stuff, and this is the one person you're talking to. You need to be able to get get a message to the, you know, to the whole team. Those are important points, and if you can do that, there's there's the people you know behind the scenes, you know, and the accounts payable and finance, and the people that you know are sending out the invoices or uploading them into the into the tool, right? You want to make yeah. sure that uh, they get their their kudos as well. Definitely. That was my next uh, question really is the public recognition, but I think you kind of answered it there. I was wondering like, you know, is it okay to, you're on a vendor call with six vendors, but somebody just pulled off an emergency for you. Is it okay to take a second publicly recognize like, we really appreciate that. You pulled us out of the fire here. The other people hear it. It wasn't anything to do with them, but I think probably it's positively impacts everybody on that call. Yeah. Any, any chance we have to use examples and I, and I emphasize that as well is always have examples, right? So at the end of the year, when we have our annual vendor review, we try to have very specific examples if we're going to call something out for the year, right? And obviously, it's nothing like we wait till the end of the year to address it. Everything is addressed in the moment. If there's a problem, we're addressing it in the moment. But at the end of the year, when everyone's on the call, you want to make sure you you point out, hey, great job this year. Maybe there was a, I won't even call them misses, but, you know, here's a couple of the hiccups we had. Was it, you know, the notes were responded to in a sufficient amount of time, there were some ETAs missed, whatever that example is, if I tell you, hey, you need to get better at communication. Mm -hmm. I, oh, okay, thanks. That, that's helpful, right? <laughs> yeah. If I say, here's a work order number, look at note number 15, 16, and 17, these weren't responded to for three days. You can go back and look at it and go, oh, I was on vacation that week. I need to do better when I'm on vacation to put the, the backup person on, on notice, right? Or, but if you're not given the specific example, you just be like, I guess I need to talk more. You know, how, how am I improving communication, right? So we try and make sure that anytime we have something, I don't want to say to complain about because it, it makes it sound like we're complaining, but anytime we have a call out, we mm -hmm. want to be very clear on what it is and allow allow our partners to dig into it yeah they can learn some of that point uh one of the things i believe is uh you never will fail as long as you've learned something if you, yep. if you yep, don't learn great. something and you failed then you've actually failed that's the only time yep. you've actually failed <laughs> yes I've, I've i've used that that slogan several times saying uh i never lose i either win or i learn yeah yeah and as long as you can do that life is a lot easier <laughs> yes so, Kirk, you had mentioned uh, kind of at the beginning of today's show that you're kind of coming toward, you're closer to the end of your career than you are to the beginning of your career. So what is something that you would want to share with people who are, who are kind of climbing the ladder in the facilities industry? What is something you wish you had known at 25? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, it's, it's never too early to start thinking about what is your legacy which is the last topic in my uh, Be Great Circle presentation. I think I, I try and share everything, kind of a pay it forward. I think back when, uh, when I was young, and assume you guys are the same, or you're probably feeling right now, is you're, you're focused on your job right now, and maybe not so much what's the next job or two jobs down, or maybe not different jobs, but just positions up the ladder. I was so focused on just, oh, I'm going to be great at what I'm doing, and I really didn't, I didn't open myself up to any of the, any of the other stuff, you know, oh, here's a course. Well, that's not, that course isn't related to what I'm doing and I wouldn't consider it. So, you know, being open to, to learning and growing 
I think is very important. And I think most people nowadays have that attitude. I think times have changed, right? You know, when I was young and, you know, my parents and my grandparents' days, the days of working for a company for 50 years and then getting the gold Rolex at the end of the <laughs> end of the career, those days are gone, right? Everyone's, mm-hmm. everyone's going from job to job to job. And so, you know, I think having, when you're young, having that, that foresight to say, Hey, what might be valuable for me in the future? And, and not just look solely at what I'm working on in the moment, you know, and the, the, what is your legacy? My message there for people is at the end of the day, what do you want to be known for? Right. And, and I've, I've said and shared with numerous people, you know, my current recent mentality was I want to be the greatest facilities manager ever. Is that a thing? No. Is there a way to measure it? No. Uh, will it ever be a thing? No. But everything that I do, every program that I put in place, every interaction I have with someone, I want that to be supporting documentation that would go into building that, building that justification, right? Every step forward is a positive step towards that, that goal. When I was younger, my first job, I remember thinking, uh, you know, and I didn't have so much the legacy mindset, but I remember thinking, when people think back about me, I want them to think, Kirk was the funniest guy I've ever worked with, right? And I, I had this kind of jokey sense of humor. You know, obviously I outgrew that. I still try to be funny. I think you should have fun at work, but it's moved into now I want to be a great, a great teammate. I want to be a great friend. I want to be a great, you know, son. I want to be a great, you know, manager. I want to be a great mentor. You know, it's 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 all encompassing. And so your legacy can change and it doesn't have to be just one thing, but I look at that question of what is your legacy and and I'm always inspired by little slogans or or you know memes right you know <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty simple but uh I remember hearing I remember hearing one that said you're not a leader until you make a leader who makes a leader and I kind of latched onto that I was like oh I I get it right you know it's no different than the if you made it to the top it's your obligation to send the elevator back down and all those little all those little um, catchy phrases about being a good leader. But I like the one where, you know, as being a mentor, right, I'm trying to help people. I'm not trying to be, uh, make people a copy of me, right? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to help people develop into being the best them that they can be. And hopefully over the years, those people will go on to be great leaders. And if the, those people can then do the same thing and inspire others and make those people leaders, that's, I think, the true mindset of paying it forward. Right. And as long as there's this continuity, you know, whether they're sharing the be great message and the raise your hands a little higher or just any of the other little tips and tricks and, you know, the importance of recognition and and all those things. If those things are carried forward, uh, I think that uh, I think that that's a win. So that's, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I just I look at what is my legacy and I just I just hope uh, people look back and think positive thoughts and think kindly upon uh, <laughs> my uh, my time with everyone. Wow. That's a great message, Kirk. Thank you so much for, for sharing. I feel inspired to go and be great after this, after this podcast. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, there's another one. <laughs> and I'll, I will tell people how funny you were. <laughs> forever i'll be like kirk <laughs> yep. who's the funniest guy <laughs> right 
<laughs> no, that is great. Um, I know we mentioned a few times in here the uh, Be Great WIA webinar. Just for everybody to know, we will have that link in the bottom. There might be some links that pop up as we talk about it. If you want to check that out as a Connects member, you will have availability to do so. And if you're not a Connects member, maybe consider becoming a Connects member. If this webinar alone worth it. <laughs> no, but, um, <laughs> Just wanted to let everybody know that. We do want to thank Kirk for his time here today. We do appreciate everything you went over. This is really good information. Like Tori said, you know, I learned something myself here too. And that's why I love doing these because our guests know more than we do. So that's why we bring you on. For sure. For <laughs> Thanks sure. for having me. All right, well, let's uh, wrap it up there. And please remember to like, subscribe, and share the video. Comment if you have any questions for ourself, for myself, Tori, or Kirk, and we will definitely uh, try to reach out. If Kirk's not too busy, we might try to get him to reply as well. <laughs> but uh, we will definitely reach back out. So thank you, everybody, and we will see you next time. Thank you.